I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. You're also invited to visit our website, www.asburybaptist.org. In addition, you can reach more messages and more Bible teaching on gospeldynamite.org as well. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Ezekiel 37. We begin with verse 1, Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you unto the land of Israel. And she, ye shall know that I am the Lord, and I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know 
that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Today I speak to you on reaching out to the dead. Reaching out to the dead. Ezekiel is a 25-year-old priest from the family of Zedok. When he, along with the king, and 10,000 Jews were taken to Babylon in 598 B.C. Five years later, in 593 B.C., Ezekiel was third when he was called into the ministry. And Ezekiel's name literally means strengthened by God. And there can be little doubt of the divisions he was given during his 20-plus years of faithful ministry were used to challenge and strengthen his fellow exiles. The ministry of Ezekiel was marked by a series of visions. The vision of the Valley of Dry Bones, as we have here, is a very familiar passage of Scripture. I've heard it preached and used about the need for revival in the church. That's a valid use of application. We need to remember that God is not speaking to the church in these verses. He's speaking specifically in verse 11, denotes that he is speaking to the nation of Israel. He sees them as a dead nation. He promises this dead nation that a day will come when he will raise them from the dead and use them again for his glory. When Ezekiel received this vision, he found himself surrounded by the bones of the dead. And everywhere he looked, he saw dead people. He was commanded to preach to them. He was commanded to pray over them. And when he obeyed the Lord's command, Ezekiel saw those dead bodies brought back to life. He saw the Lord's grave on display in that graveyard. And that is the thought I want to magnify for just a moment today. Now, like Ezekiel, we're surrounded by the dead. Everywhere we look, there is evidence of the spiritual death that dominates our world. And like Ezekiel, we have been given, that is, we have been sent out a message, a mission to tell the dead that they can live. Now, from where Ezekiel stood that day, his task must have seemed impossible. Yet he obeyed God. And when he obeyed God, God blessed his efforts. From where we stand today, the task of reaching those who are dead in sin also seems like an impossible task. In nearly 30 years of ministry, I have never seen the likes of the hardness of hearts today. We are living out the passage in 2 Timothy where the Bible says it will wax worse and worse. I want to show you a shocking revelation here. If we're going to sense the great need the world has around us, and about hearing the gospel, we must have a clear grasp of the condition in which the world finds itself today. The vision Ezekiel saw was of a valley of full of dry, scattered bones. It depicted the desolation, 
the destitution, and the devastation of Israel. Now, until we have a similar vision of the world in which we live, we will not be stirred to action. We need to see what Ezekiel saw. And when he looked out over that valley of dry bones, it's the same vision we need today as we look over a lost and a dead world. Right off the top of the number, we see in verse 1, he saw death. The bones speak of death. And since so many bones were in one place, it may be that Ezekiel saw the aftermath of a great battle. If that is the case, it must have broken his heart. One of the worst insults a Jew could suffer was to be denied a proper burial. And here's a valley filled with the bones of the dead, defeated by their enemies and left to rot where they fell. And Ezekiel saw a vision of death on a massive scale. What do you see when you look at the world around you? Although the people around us may be living their lives and working their jobs and enjoying their hobbies, raising their families, while they may be charming, intellectual, reasonable even, and they apparently fit. If they do not know Jesus Christ, God says they are spiritually dead. Now, Paul tells us that until the Holy Spirit quickens men and women to spiritual life, they're dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2 and verse 1. This could be true of the husband, your wife, your, your parents, your children, your friends, your neighbors, co-workers. While they may be full of life physically, they can be dead spiritually. And we should pray and ask God to open our eyes and help us to see a world around us as it really is. That's what Jesus said to his disciples in John 4 and verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. We must see the world as it really is. But also, I'd bring to your attention in verse 2, Ezekiel saw devastation. The bones that Ezekiel saw, the Bible says, were very dry. They had been on that valley floor under the merciless heat of the sun until they were sapped of all moisture. In that dead, in that dry condition, they were fit for absolutely nothing but to be gathered and buried. They were absolutely useless. We need to recognize that this is the very condition of the lost who live around us. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul writes, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. The word unprofitable there means to be useless. And this verse reminds us that the lost sinner is useless to God. They are unprofitable in the sense that he cannot use them for his glory. We must ask the Lord to open our eyes and help us see the devastation of the world around us. The lost are trapped in a quagmire of sin and they cannot escape. They are spiritually dead. And they're devastated by their sin. Look at the family ruined by drugs and alcohol. They need someone to tell them about a way out. Look at the family destroyed by sexual sin. They need someone to tell them there's a better way. 
Look at that family that seems so happy, but they're headed to a devil's hell. They must have someone to warn them, to pray for them, to point them to the Lord Jesus. And until we understand where they are, we will not be moved to reach them with the gospel. But in verse 11, he also saw defeat. The Bible says, Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. The nation of Israel was defeated and had reached the place where there was absolutely no way out of their captivity and no hope for their future. In a sense, they were not even living. They were merely existing. Ezekiel saw their hopelessness. He was moved by their hopelessness. The Bible describes the lost around us in Ephesians 2 and verse 12 as having no hope and without God in the world. The hopelessness in the world is easy to see. The restlessness of the nations, the upheavals in our culture, the horrible condition of our economy, the constant threat of war, all speak to the fact that people feel hopeless. When there is no peace in the heart, there's no rest in the life. When peace is missing, hopelessness reigns. Again, we need to ask the Lord to help us see the hopelessness of the lost who live around us. Yes, they act out in ways that are ungodly, that are sometimes frightening. Yes, they are in direct opposition of God, the gospel and godliness but they are hopeless. It may just be that their actions are a plea for help. I pray the Lord will give us a burden for the lost who are dead, devastated, and defeated in their sins. In the 1700s, a little man in England, a cobbler by trade, who kept a map of the world on the wall in his workshop so that he could pray for all the nations of the world, became burdened for a definite missionary outreach. When he shared his burden at a meeting of ministers, he was told by one of the senior men of God, young man, sit down. When God wants you to convert the heathen, he'll do it without your help or mine. But William Carey did not let the fire of his enthusiasm be dampened by such a response. And eventually he left the shores of England for those of India, where he engaged in pioneer missionary work doing exploits for God. Verses 4 through 9, we have a solemn responsibility. As Ezekiel looked over the valley of dry bones, God spoke to the prophet and told him what to do. Ezekiel was shown that he had a personal responsibility to that valley of dead, dry bones. And I want you to see this because the same responsibility that rested on Ezekiel's shoulders then rests on our shoulders today. In verses 4 and verse 9, he was commanded to preach. And here is what he was commanded. Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now Ezekiel was commanded to preach to a valley filled with skeletons. Nothing could be more foolish. Nothing could be more ridiculous than to preach to a bunch of dry bones. But when God, in verse 3, asked the question, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel's answer was, O Lord God, thou knowest. 
You can almost hear the hesitation on the part of the prophet as he considered the utter futility of this assignment. There can be little doubt that Ezekiel was overwhelmed by the sight of all the death, the devastation, and the defeat that he saw represented in these dry bones. Anyone who sees the true condition of a lost world can understand Ezekiel's response. For humanly speaking, what is more difficult than to confront a world of lifeless and useless and hopeless and godless men and women with the word of the gospel? Yet this is the clear obligation of the church of Jesus Christ. See, God has not promised to bless our theological systems, our superficial interpretations, or even our philosophical theorizing. But he has committed himself to bless the preaching of the unadulterated word of God. He says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Isaiah 55, verse 11. Only through such preaching will there be a noise only through such preaching will there be a shaking, bones coming together, bone to his bone in Ezekiel 37 and verse 7. It is only the word of God that can produce such miracles. Do not call me up. Do not send me an email and tell me that you've had a revelation from God and that God told you in a dream something. That's heresy. That's foolish. That is completely idiocy. It is not in this age to have extra biblical revelation. What we have is the complete word of God. It is not your word that will get people saved. It is not your word that will bring conviction of the heart. It is the preaching of the word of God. And only the word of God can produce such miracles. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. So what does the lost world need? They don't need to hear about the church. They don't need to hear about our denomination. They don't need to elevate preachers and worship a man. They don't need our opinions. They do not need to know why you stand on a KJV or on a certain translation. What does the lost world need? They need the gospel of grace. And they need to hear the truth of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross to save sinners. They need to hear that he rose again from the dead to save all who will come to him. They need to hear that in a lost and dark and idiocy world that Jesus Christ is the only hope, he's the only love, he's the only life, and the only salvation to be found is in his name. 
They need to hear about him and his responsibility of us, the believers of Jesus Christ, the church, to spread the gospel. Now in verse 9, I would show you that he was commanded to pray. Verse 9, the Bible says, Breathe upon these slain that they may live. Now the preaching may be a noise, a shaking, a coming together, together bone to bone, and even the appearance of sinews and, and skin. But the word says there was no breath in them. Verse 8. Ezekiel had preached the word of God to the bones. They had the appearance of life, but they were still dead. What were they lacking? They needed the touch of God before they could live. He was commanded to pray that the Lord would breathe on them and make them live. Now, through preaching, people may be convinced of the truth, but they will remain mere corpses until the Spirit of God breathes upon them. Undoubtedly, this is why our Lord told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they were spiritually endued with power from on high in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Then comes the day of Pentecost when there was a, a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, Acts 2-2. And at once their preaching ministry was vitalized and they spoke and dead men and women came to life. This is still God's method of bringing the purpose of the gospel to fulfillment. It is our obligation to see that we not only preach with divine urgency, but pray with divine fervency. We must be satisfied with nothing less than the outpouring of the Spirit of God. The world is lifeless, useless, hopeless, and that will never be changed unless the Spirit of God breathes upon the preaching of God's servants. So we must pray. We must pray that the gospel, the preachers, the teachers, the churches, the missionaries, the witnesses, are endued with the Spirit of God, with fervency. God will honor his word, breathe on the lost, and draw many to Christ for salvation. Unless he draws them to himself, John 6, 44, they will never be saved. Now it's our responsibility to tell them. It's our responsibility to pray with urgency that they might be saved. May God give us the eyes to see the condition of the lost. May give us ears to hear their cries. May give us a heart that feels their pain. May help us see them like he sees so that we will develop the kind of burden for them that dwelled in him. William Lee said, It is not the arithmetic of our prayers how many they are, nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they are, nor the geometry of our prayers, how long they are, nor the music of our prayers, how sweet our voice may be. 
nor is it the logic of our prayers, how argumentative they may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be, which God cares for. Fervency of spirit is that which availeth much. Verses 10 through 14, we see a supernatural resurrection. In response to the preaching and praying of Ezekiel, the Lord moves in power. Now, several things happens that's completely amazing. Verse 10, they were activated. We read that they lived. Those corpses were animated, vitalized, brought back to life as the astonished prophet watched a valley filled with the dead came to life. The same thing can happen today as we share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord assures us in John 6 and verse 63, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, that is, makes alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Even a good religious man like Nicodemus was blind in sin. He could not see the kingdom of God. He was bound in sin. He could not enter the kingdom of God. He was born in sin. He could not inherit the kingdom of God until he was quickened to life, that is, born again. See, the new birth is a supernatural event. It's a time when God raises those who were spiritually dead to a new life in Jesus Christ. It is a sovereign event. And it's an amazing to experience in yourself and to witness in others. Verse 10, they were also animated. The Bible says they stood upon their feet. God brought them to life and they call, he caused them to stand before him. Now while we should have a burden to see dead men and women quicken to life, we should also be concerned that they're strengthened to stand for Christ. Paul expressed that burden when he was writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Let us never forget that we must pray earnestly for those who come to faith in Christ that they may be strengthened in his spirit to stand and withstand. After all, God saves people to serve. By the way, there's no unwanted people in the church of Jesus Christ. There's a place, a witness, a work for each one of us, and we must see that uh, where exactly the Lord is leading us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 10, I would also bring to your attention they were associated. The Bible says that they were transformed into an exceedingly great army. One moment, they're dead bones filling a valley. Next, they're a mighty living army ready for the Lord's use. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring individual units into a whole. The Apostle Paul informs us that by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Furthermore, we exhorted to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4 and verse 3. God brings his people out of the darkness of sin to create new life in Christ Jesus. He saves them. He gives them spiritual gifts. He places them exactly where he wants them to serve. And in closing, let me say this. When you look at the world, what do you see? Now, I must confess that sometimes I become angry when I look at the world. 
I see the things people do. I hear the things people say. I notice the way they live their lives. I see the hatred. I, I see the evil. Then I remember, if it weren't not for the grace of God, that could be me. Someone, somewhere, needs to know that Jesus Christ died for them. 